Boring church. Don't we love the change of the seasons in November? Man, we are thankful to God for crisp, cool mornings and clear, mild, sunny afternoons. God is good and his glory surrounds us uh, in many ways. It's almost as if in November, the change of the season wells up, moves forward, wells up into a great thanksgiving. And so we offer our praise and our thanks these next three weeks. We are moving through the month of November, thinking together, dwelling in God's word together around a deep gratitude, a deep gratitude. And so our reading this morning just shared with us from Psalm 136 echoes this deep thanksgiving. What's interesting about that reading in Psalm 136 is that at the end of each phrase, the same declaration occurs over and over again. I don't know if you noticed that. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. One more time. His love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. This is where this should be welling up into uh, a hallelujah. His love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth on the waters. His love endures forever. Who made the great lights. His love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. His love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. His love endures forever. Let us pray. God, your love Your steadfast love endures forever and ever. And so we stand in your midst declaring our praise and giving, ascribing to you our thanks. We pray that your word would be present and living in our midst today. That out of the deep places, you would draw us up into a hallelujah a cry of thanks and praise. Bless our time together in your word. We pray, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Most every Sunday when we gather in the name of Jesus and we turn our hearts more fully to God, we declare God's praise. The words off our lips ascend to the heavens, reverberate between us, By the power and the presence of the Spirit of God, we offer our praise. Most every Sunday when we gather here in the name of Jesus and we turn our hearts more fully to to God, we offer our praise and that praise turns into thanks. We know to do this because our mothers taught us. Our mothers taught us well to say please and thank you. How many of you? Had mothers that taught you to say, please and thank you. And if you forgot, they would remind you, please 
Thank you. And certainly now, certainly, who wouldn't want to say thank you to the God of all creation? It's a practice that forms us this thanks, this praise, this gratitude. But the truth is that with the praise that we declare every week and with the thanks that we express each gathering, there is something beneath the surface, something deeper still. You know, early in my ministry, um, when part of my role was at the beginning of the service in the church that I served, part of uh, my role was to welcome everyone at the beginning of the service. I would come to the front and I would welcome people and invite them into this time of worship. Did it every Sunday. And I used to say this. I used to say, we come here to worship God, the God who created us and sustains us. And so as you enter this place, I want you to leave every burden, every worry, every care at the door. And then we would sometimes sing, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Do you know that one? I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I used to say this every Sunday. The part that invited people to leave their burdens and their worries and their cares at the door and to come into worship here. I don't say that anymore. I don't say that anymore. We bring our full selves here. Every burden, every ache, every pain, every disappointment. God welcomes that here. The people of God welcome that here. So if I were to ask you this question, where in the Bible are you going to find words of praise and thanksgiving? Your answer is going to be what? This is the talkback portion of the sermon again. Your answer is going to be, where do you go? Where do you think of, first thing you think of when you think of, man, the Bible gives us words of praise and thanksgiving. You think, the Psalms, of course. The Psalms. If the Psalms are our guide, our hymn book, as it has been for the people of God for generations and generations, then you should know this about the Psalms. While it offers us words of praise and thanksgiving, it is mostly, mostly, now I know it's 150 of them, so you may not have sat down and read them all through. It is mostly the Psalms are filled with a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment and a lot of despair and suffering even. In fact, most of the Psalms are this. I would tell you that the words of praise and thanksgiving that we offer detached from the pain and suffering are really a shallow praise, a thin thanksgiving. I used to tell students in the university courses that I taught on worship, 
We used to think about this, and I used to say, you know what? When we enter worship and we offer our praise, we just start offering our praise detached from um, really acknowledging the burden that we carry and bear. It's really a disembodied praise. Think about that. A disembodied praise. Weak. Shallow. It matters. But disembodied. Did you know that the Psalms in your Bible, all 150 of them are actually a collection of five books? Five hymn books sort of strung together. And if you spend some time with them, you'll discover, again, that they are mostly lament, crying out of the depths, the abyss. Each lament psalm expresses the deepest burdens of our hearts. And then toward the end, only toward the end, turns toward praise. And yet will I praise you, O Lord. Something like that. And still, O God, I will trust in you. After expressing the the deep uh, burden of our hearts. Each of the five books ends in this way. I'm going to walk through some of those. If you have your Bible, you might want to flip there. If not, just listen carefully. The first book of the Psalms ends in Psalm uh, 41. I don't know about in your Bible, but in my Bible, uh, Psalm 42 has a little uh, title over it that says Book 2. You see that? Can you verify that it indeed says? She she can see that. Book 2. So. 1 through 41 is the first book of the Psalms, and it is filled, it it, it takes us through this journey of declaring that the Word of God is the foundations of the world, and then drawing us into the, but this world is broken, and our experience of it is broken, and then toward the end, the very last line in book 1 is this, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. I'm going to invite you to say that with me, the amen and amen part. Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And the church says, amen and amen. The second book concludes at Psalm 72. No, Psalm 70. That is not correct. What's that? Somebody's making sure you're checking. You're checking me. I don't even know who said that. 72, may his glory fill the whole earth. Praise be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. And the church says, because that's how the book ends. That's how the book ends. Before it, expressing the greatest uh, burdens and troubles of our hearts and lives. And then turning toward praise and declaring amen and amen. Book three ends at Psalm 89. And get this, in Psalm 89, as we're moving toward the end of the book, the cry is, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long? How long, it asks. Lord, where is your steadfast love? Where is it? And then in the end, praise be to the Lord forever. And the church says, Amen and amen. That's the way it ends. You see the movement. Book four ends at Psalm 106. It's the same pattern, the same movement. The book ends. Praise be the Lord, 
the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let the people say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Book 5 ends, the end of the Psalms, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the way the Psalms move. They move from our experience of suffering, of brokenness, of struggle, of doubt even, to turn to say, yet will I praise you, O Lord. I will praise you, O Lord. Amen and a amen. From despair to hallelujah. It's a deep gratitude that flows from the depths of life's trouble. And I want you to imagine what praise and thanksgiving looks like from the depths. I want you to imagine what it looks like from the depths. A deep gratitude. Fortunately, the Hebrew Bible does not leave this to our imagination. The word for praise in Hebrew is, at least one of them, the one that's most common is halal. You heard that word before? Halal. It sounds a lot like Hallelujah, right? Because it, that's where we get hallelujah. Halal. This word. And um, the first letter looks like a picture of a person, at least in the original pictographic script that sort of precedes the um, Hebrew writing as we know it today. The first letter looks like a picture of a person with his arms raised up, looking and pointing at an amazing sight. That's what the letter looks like, literally when you draw it. Isn't that cool? I think that's really cool. That the letter is not just communicating a sound or constructing a word, but it's painting a picture for you of what the word means. A person with their hands outstretched, pointing to something above And it's followed by the doubling of the second letter that looks like a shepherd's staff. That's that little L with a little hook thing. Looks like a shepherd's staff. It's used to move the flock toward a direction. And when combined, these two letters mean to look towards a sight. This is praise. Arms outstretched, reaching to the heavens to look towards a sight. I like the architecture in this room, even though I understand it's a multi-purpose room that's like a gymnasium. I see the stripes on the floor. I recognize those, the circle in the middle, the basketball goals raised. But you lift your eyes up, feel free, and point. And look where this room draws our attention. Up. It points toward a sight. And I so appreciate those who have come to a point in their own life and faith and journey, a point, quite frankly, that I'm just beginning to arrive at in my own life and faith and journey, where in moments of worship and praise together, 
I can lift my hands toward the heavens and point towards something greater than myself. To look towards the sight. And did you know that the halal, halal, to look towards the sight, to point toward the heavens. And did you know that the word to give thanks or to thank, yada, literally means to throw or to cast, which is kind of fortunate because we are in a gym. <laughs> we can throw and cast and shoot. To throw or, now think about that, to give thanks, to throw or to cast. It is to throw ourselves, our whole selves toward the heavens. To throw our gratitude out of uh, deep places in our lives. To throw it to God, toward God in the heavens. Toward God, we offer a deep praise. I don't know if you noticed that um, as you came in this morning, as you come into the space for worship, that we often uh, play a song as as people are beginning to come into this space. And I noticed that's one of the first things I noticed when I came uh, to be with you this last summer in Kerrville, I thought, wow, that's really special. And as I've shared this journey with you preaching over the last several months, I've tried to be intentional about suggesting the song that we play. I don't know if you know that the songs that we are playing in these last two series, as you come into worship, are actually tied to the theme of what we're doing. Um, it may seem just like kind of like background music, but it's actually a little more going on with it. Anyone uh, recognize the song this morning that was playing just before we started? Anyone? I'm just curious. If not, that's okay. I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay. It was the song, its title is um, Praise You in the Storm. Do you know that song? I will praise you in the storm. And I will lift my hands, because you are who you are, no matter who or where I am. I'll praise you in the storm. Praise you in the storm. If you've ever been to that place, the storm, the deep places, perhaps you know a deep gratitude. This last week, I was so blessed to spend a little time with our brother, Byron Moore. You know, Byron, he's the one with the cool wheels. Byron was raised in Bryan, Texas, and he shared a story with me in um, a visit over at his apartment, and he gave me permission to share a little bit of his story with you this morning. I want to do that. Byron was born with spina bifida, and... Um, he has had so many surgeries, right? Or you may have to nod. Or if I say something wrong, you can just go, man, you missed that part. He's had so many surgeries over the years, childhood on into adulthood. And, um, and, and a lot of infections that set in as a result of both diabetes and, and his condition and surgeries. And, and just recently, such serious infections that he was um, completely septic. They had to care flight him to San Antonio. Do I have this right? And the doctor said, you were just within a matter of maybe two days of not being with us anymore. Byron grew up hunting. Loved, loved to hunt. 
and discovered that he was pretty good at it. And so skeet shooting, he came up on skeet shooting, and you may or may not know this about uh, Byron, but he won numerous awards, in, including um, um, participation in the Olympics representing the United States. And Byron lost his brother way too young in a construction accident. Um, his brother was at a construction site, and he was helping uh, to leverage a machine down the side of a hill with a, a strap or a chain, and the tension on that chain released, and the hook that it was attached to flew back immediately and happened to strike his brother square in the forehead. Took his life instantly. Byron said, you know, if he would have been, you know, just a step one way or a step another way, lost his brother too young, and he lost his mom, and then another brother and his father. He lost a lot, and as a result, Byron will tell you, I mean, some of you may know about Byron's health problems, but he says probably most people don't know about his struggle with depression, waves of depression, really all through his life. The questions any of us would ask about, why me? Why do I suffer with this? Why me? And why, with all of this I have to deal with, my brother? And my mother and father and my other brother, why? And so he battled waves of depression and over time felt more and more isolated one night, Byron tells me he was sitting at home in his apartment here in Kerrville, sitting at the small dining room table in his apartment. He pointed over there where the dining room table was as we sat together in his apartment. And he said, I had a rifle and two pistols, and I set them out on the table. And he said, Everything just began to close in on me. It felt darker and darker. And he said, I took a single bullet and I put it in the chamber of one of those pistols. And it got darker and darker. And I picked up the pistol and I put it to my head. And I pulled the trigger and it went click. And I set it back down. And I picked up the phone immediately and I called 911 and I said, someone needs to come or I'm not going to be alive. He said he couldn't figure out what happened, so he opened, he pulled the bullet out of the chamber and he could see where the firing pin had struck the bullet, but the gun didn't go off. First person to arrive was a policeman. He came into Byron's apartment, found him there at the table. He saw the guns on the table. Byron said, I pushed them towards him and said, take them. And the officer took the bullet and he picked it up and he looked at it and he saw the little place where the, the firing pin had hit. And he said, is this the bullet that was in your gun? And he said, yes. And he said, someone's looking out for you. Someone's looking out for you. Byron told me 
amidst all the suffering and all that he's experienced for his whole life and all the loss. He just didn't want to be alone anymore. Didn't want to be alone anymore. Byron, you are not alone. You are not alone. We are going to surround you. And we are going to offer praise and thanksgiving from the deep place. Not only for you, Byron, we're going to pray over you, but here I know that, that like Byron's story, there are other stories that are hidden that you bring into this room. And that's okay. You carry them with you. Some really hard stuff. I want to say that you are not alone in that place. That God is with you in that place. And that it is from this place that we offer not an empty praise, not a shallow hallelujah, but a deep, deep gratitude. So, Byron, come, come uh, can you pull down here? And I'm going to invite uh, any or all of our shepherds who are here. I want you to come and uh, be with uh, here at the front with me and with Byron. I'm going to lead us in time of prayer. And what I want to ask you all to do is, uh, you know the first letter. Thank you, Byron. You know the first letter for halal? What does it look like? This is a, a, a person who is stretching out their hands, right? So I want you to stand, and I want you to um, stretch your hands out toward the heavens, toward Byron, and let's offer, um, let's offer a deep uh, praise, a deep prayer of gratitude. God, we come to you in this moment. We reach out to you from the depths. We stand and join our brother Byron. And with all who have stories of heartache and struggle and loss and confusion and doubt, we just don't understand. And the suffering weighs heavy upon us, and often we suffer in silence. Uh, the anguish is sometimes felt in our physical bodies and sometimes in our spirits. Emotionally, we struggle. We pray that you would drive every darkness away. And we come to say and to declare before you that you have not left us alone, that, that by the story of Jesus, we know that you have descended into our darkness and you have come near to us in Jesus and you are with us in the storm. Byron, I want you to know that Jesus is very near and that the people of Jesus are with you. You are not alone. Lord God, Help us to praise you from the deepest place, to offer you our whole selves in thanksgiving, a deep gratitude. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.